Welcome to this week's podcast from Church on the Rock. We hope that it will challenge and inspire you to be a more passionate follower of Jesus. For more information about Church on the Rock, visit us at cotrcalera.com. I've heard about a family, actually a family with a boy, um, and they were eating, uh, eating dinner together, you know, sitting around the table eating dinner, kind of enjoying their family time. You know, those kinds of things don't happen much anymore, right? With just kind of the, the fast grind and pace of American society. Don't really sit around tables much anymore and eat. But this family was sitting around the table eating uh, one evening, and the boy was kind of sitting next to his dad, and they were eating some soup. And, and all of a sudden, uh, the boy just kind of pipes up and he says, Dad, are bugs good to eat? Right? Because it's a boy, right? He's going to be thinking about bugs, and he's going to be thinking about eating them. That's just what boys do, right? <clears throat> Are bugs good to eat? And the dad said, that's disgusting. Don't talk about things like that over the dinner table, right? Young man, right? Young man, we don't talk about that kind of stuff over the dinner table. That's disgusting. Don't talk about that over the dinner table. After the dinner was over, though, and they were kind of done eating and just kind of hanging around the house, the father kind of remembered what his son had asked and thought, you know what, I better, like, I better cover this with him, you know, because this isn't, we don't want this to be like a kuna matata, you know, just you know, slimy but satisfying type stuff, right? I mean, we just, I want to make sure that he knows. So I'm like, now son, he, so he, he pulls his son back in. He says, now son, why, why is it, what is it that you wanted to ask me? And the boy said, oh, it's nothing. It's, it's nothing, Dad. Don't worry about it. And um, it's, this father said, no, no, no. What was it? What does you want to ask me? He's like, no, Dad, Dad it's nothing. Uh, really, really, it's nothing. He says, there was a bug in your soup, but now it's gone. <clears throat> Get him. That's it. I promise. I, you know, he ate. The bu- okay, I don't know if you... Look, man, I, I'm, I'm not a comedian. If you came here thinking I was a comedian, I'm sorry. I just, you know, started to disappoint. But we're, um, we're going to move right into this purpose in every step, having purpose in every step, and believing, God, that, that you should have a, uh, a purpose-driven life, a purposeful life in the things that you do. Um, and, and so where we're looking here in, in this idea of purpose, talking about purpose, and, and, and even when we're talking about, when I, when I was talking about on, um, just a second ago about our theme for the year being a, a, a year of breakthrough, that God wanted to do a year of breakthrough, there, there are moments in our life where God will bring breakthrough in our life because of maybe this moment that God just shows up and just, you know, like all of heaven comes crashing in and God brings, you know, a supernatural change to your life and the way that you think. And those moments are incredible. They're great. I've experienced some of those myself. But not all breakthrough will come to us in our life because of that way. And there are times in our life where breakthrough will happen because God will give us steps that we need to take to see that breakthrough happen. Okay? There's going to be times where God will give you steps, okay? And, and, and that step will lead you to breakthrough in your life. You know, we like it. You know, we would rather God show up in an instance and, you know, you know, change everything about our life. But that's just not the way it happens sometimes. And you hear this sometimes. You see it even in people's lives. Like, when you become born again, 
God changes you, like your spirit becomes born again. It becomes made new. But your flesh doesn't. So a lot of times when you get saved, you can go, you can come to a place where God changes you on the inside, but some of the outer habits that you have and fleshly things, maybe addictions and stuff that you have, those things don't really ever, they don't go away right away. And so sometimes you have to take the steps to get you to the place where God wants you to be. And so we're talking this morning about purpose in every step. You see, God broke the walls of Jericho down, but there were steps that Joshua had to take to get him to that place. Okay, God used Moses and Gideon to deliver an entire nation of Israel, but there were steps that they had to take along the way to put them in position for that breakthrough. Okay, So one of the things that we have to understand is that that if we want breakthrough in our life, then there has to be purpose in our steps. There has to be purpose behind the things that we do. The decisions that we make, the person that we are, the things that we do in our life, we want to have purpose. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. All right? So we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. All right? And um, I want you to follow along with me in your Bibles. If you can, if not, you just trust me that this is actually what it says. Okay, so verse 19, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. While I, when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Okay? So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. All right. You know, there are some things in our life that happen by accident. Some things. There are things in our, in our lives that happen by accident. But great things don't. Okay. Great things in your life don't happen by accident. All right? Championships are not won by accident. Marriages, good marriages, don't happen by accident. Great musicians are not developed by accident. Wars are not won by accident. Okay? Great things um, you know, happen in your life in our life, in this world, by a tremendous amount of focus, 
consistency and discipline. That's how great things are achieved in your life. If you want to, you, you think about any great thing that any person has ever achieved in their life, okay, it has happened, you know, not by accident. And maybe you could say, like, an inventor was trying to invent this and they kind of stumbled across this, that that was an accident. But there was still a tremendous amount of determination and consistency and focus on what it was that they were trying to accomplish that put them in the position that they were in to, to stumble upon an invention, okay? So, Great things in our life will not happen to us by accident. Doing great things for God will not happen in your life just by accident. Like, I just hope that God does something great with my life. I just hope that I'm able to fulfill my purpose. That I just hope that I'm able to fulfill my vision and the purposes that God has. Like, you can't just have hope that something's going to happen like it's some pie in the sky. Like, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I hope I have a good career. I hope I have a good marriage. I hope, my, you know, we, we got to have all of these hopes, but hope means nothing other than the fact that you just hope that something will happen to you. But if you want great things to happen to you, it requires, okay, focused, okay, attention, um, a tremendous amount of focus and attention, consistency, and discipline. Paul says here in this passage that we just got in reading, okay, that the way that we the way that we're supposed to run our way our race is that we're supposed to run in such a way to win. And the way that he is able to run his race in such a way to win is that he puts purpose behind every step. Nobody that ever tries to run a marathon or that ever tries to win a marathon Okay, would approach a marathon the way that I would approach a marathon. Okay, because number one, I don't really want to run a marathon, <laughs> and um, because I don't really want to run, at least for not that long, right? Can I get an amen from somebody? Or am I the only one? Okay, like what? I got foot problems. That's the reason why I don't like to run. Don't look at me like that, like I'm lazy. Right, but if I if I was gonna like like if I just thought like um, you know I think there was back in the day right anybody ever try one of those like couch to five Ks right try, you try one of those couch to five Ks I remember no I'm I did okay I never made it to the five K I think I got to like the halfway point All right but it's one of these things where it's like um, they get it you know I think gosh man um, you know back in the day when they had like um, iPods, you know, you could download these, um, um, you know, podcast type things that were like Couch to 5K podcast, and, and in order to do this, though, it, like, I'm just saying, like, it's, you know, from the couch, potato chip and cheese dip and loving type guy, like, watching TV, to now I'm going to get up and go run a 5K, that's, that, you, like, you just can't be like, oh, hey, there's a 5K going on this weekend, I think I'll go run that, sounds fun. Like, you, you die somewhere in the first mile, you know? You don't even get through the first, first K. You're just like, first, I'm done. I'm out. I'm tired. All right? So, I tried it one time. I didn't make it very far, uh, just because, I guess, there wasn't a tremendous amount of focus and consistency on discipline on my part to get myself to that particular place. Plus, I could just say, well, you know, 
I don't know, like, what was, I, what was I gonna win, right? You know, like, hey, I ran a 5K, pat me on the back, you know, so. Um, but nobody that really is trying to run a 5K, to win a 5K, would say, you know what, I'm gonna train by really not doing anything. Or nobody in their right mind who doesn't run and train consistently, consistently would ever say, I'm gonna go out and try to win this 5K. Now, any athlete that tries to do anything you know, there's a tremendous amount of focus and a tremendous amount of attention to detail and all of these kind of things. You know, even if, like, if you're an Alabama fan, you listen to Nick Saban talk about, um, you know, the attention to detail and focusing on every little thing and, and, and all of these little things that he talks about, like, you know, championships are not won because you want to win a championship because everybody wants to win a championship. Championships are won by, by focusing on every day, doing the little things that you should do right that put you in a position. All right, so it's all, all of this attention to detail. It's this focus on consistency. It's focused on discipline. All of these kinds of things that put you know, his football team in a position to be able to win a lot of games every year, not because, uh, you know, they want to, but because they do the things necessary along the way to put themselves in that position. And that right there really is what we're talking about. We're talking about that there is purpose in every step. So Paul bringing this, this concept around to my walk with Christ, around to the kingdom of God, that in my life, in the way that I live my life, I want there to be purpose in every step that I take so that it will make a difference in the kingdom of God. All right? There is, there's got to be purpose in every step, this, this purpose to our movement and what we do. Right? And, you know, I could ask you, you know, in your own life, how much, how much purpose is there in what you do? How much purpose is there in the decisions that you make on a daily basis that um, affect every aspect of your life? Or do we just kind of like, look, this is what Paul's saying. He said, you know, another translation, I don't, like he says, shadow boxing. Another translation, I don't, I don't swing aimlessly. And this is what, this idea that like, like I'm, just, I'm just throwing punches and I don't really know where I'm throwing punches, but I'm just, you know, eventually I'll hit something. All right? Like if you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you get there? Right? If, you, if there's no purpose behind your life, if there's no intentionality behind who you are, if there's no goals that you can set in your life to, this is what I would like to achieve, this is like who I would like to become. Like, how do you know that when you ever achieve or get to that place? And that in and of itself is kind of running aimlessly. It's I'm running, but I don't really know where I'm running. Right? I'm running, so I'm running the rat race, but I don't really know where I'm going. And this is exactly what Paul's talking about, that there should be purpose behind every step that you take. Behind everything that you do, there should be purpose in your life. Every decision that you make. Look at Jesus in, in, in the way that he lived his life. Think about it for a second. You know, Jesus could be a friend of sinners because there was purpose behind the relationship. Okay? So sometimes we're like, well, Jesus was friend with sinners. Why can't I be friends with them? I mean, look, nobody's telling you like who exactly you can and can't hang out with, even though the Bible says do not be unequally yoked. In other words, do not be connected together with unbelievers. All right? But we say Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus 
was a friend of sinners because there was a purpose behind his relationship with them. Okay? The Pharisees used to talk about and, and gripe about how Jesus would go and eat with sinners, collector, uh, tax collectors, and drunkards, and all this kind of stuff like, like Jesus was participating. It would almost be the equivalent of basically saying, well, you know, the, the pastor of that church goes to a bar and hangs out with people that are like, you know, not church people. All right? Um, the reason why Jesus was able to do this was because there was purpose, there was a divine purpose in every step. There was a purpose behind it. The reason why Jesus could ignore Jewish tradition and, and, and do things the way that he wanted to wasn't because he was trying to buck the Jewish system and Jewish tradition, but it was because there was purpose in everything that he did. Okay? So everything that he did in his life was, was filled with purpose. There was purpose behind what he did. In, in Proverbs chapter 29, 19, it says this. It says, where there, is no, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. That's an NIV version. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. All right? You know what that means? That means that when you don't have revelation in your life over what God's purposes are for you, okay, then you then it's easy for you to cast off the things that are holding you, okay, to walk the straight and narrow where you should, okay? So if God is telling you to go this way, okay, and somewhere along the way you're going this way, somewhere along the way you lose sight of the revelation that God has given you, it's easy for you to cast off the restraint that he's given you in the direction that you're going and begin to veer off in other directions, Okay, another translation, I like what, what it says. It says that where, where there is no revelation, pettiness prevails. <clears throat> okay, you ever feel like sometimes that the petty things of your life are dominating everything that's going on in your life? Like the conversation, the stress, all this kind of stuff. It's just little petty things, little things here and there. Okay, the Bible says that when we have no revelation of what it is that God is wanting to do, listen, then we start getting petty. We start looking at petty things, little things, things that don't even matter. It's the reason why churches can split over the color of the carpet. Really? Like we're in the kingdom of God to reach souls and to reach people, and we're going to split this church because the color of the carpet's not what Okay, if there's any example, then that's an example. Where all of a sudden, little things that are meaningless and they don't mean a whole lot, all of a sudden they become this big thing. Why? Because we're not set on the vision and the purposes that God's placed in our life. Because once we get set on that, those little things will just be little things. But like, hey, you know, we'll take care of that one other day. It doesn't really matter what the color of the carpet is. It doesn't really matter all that kind of stuff. Because we have a purpose and we have a plan and we have a vision that God has placed in our life. And there needs to be purposes in every step that I take. <clears throat> Where there is no revelation, God's purposes in your life, it becomes easy for us to just cast off restraint, just allow pettiness to prevail in everything that we do in life. This means that we begin to lose our self-control. We begin to do whatever we want. And, um, and these things begin to take place. But Paul talks about how we should have purpose in every step of our life. Every step of our life. It, it always has to do 
with impacting people for the kingdom of God. And he even talked about this. He said, man, I'll, be, I'll become all things to all people. He said, I don't, I don't really care. And, and I've always tried to emulate this. It was much easier when I was a youth pastor. Um, but I've always tried to emulate this even in my life. So, you know, there, there were, you know, there were skateboarder punks that, you know, I, I reached down in Florida. And, and, and trust me, nobody ever wants to see me on a skateboard. <clears throat> Right? But because I could, I could become all things to all people, I could at least talk to them about what it is they're doing, and, and, and I, could, I could fit into their world. Right? I could fit into where they were. And this doesn't mean that you, you, don't, you don't become like them, but you become all things to all people. So in other words, like if I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't know God, and it's clear they don't know God. And let's just say, I'll use this as an example. They're, you know, they, they just got this foul mouth and they're just, you know, it doesn't mean that I've got to start cussing so that I can win them to Jesus. Like, we still have to look like we're different, right? We still have to be, come out and be separate, all right? But I can still be in his world, okay? I can still be in his world around him, okay, knowing that there is a purpose for my relationship with him. Every time I had a relationship, there was a, a, a kid up in, uh, that I met at the mall several years ago. His name, his name was Nadim, and he was, a, he was a Muslim. And we were doing mall outreach, and we were ministering and, and witnessing uh, to people in the mall, and he was a Muslim. And, and every Friday when we'd go up to the mall, he would be up there at the mall. He was, just, I don't know, I guess it was just hangout space. So we just began to just hang out together, and he would, we would have debates over Islam versus Christianity. And we, look, I just got into his world. That's all. All I did was just come into his world, hang out with him, talk good about him, lift him up, encourage him. You know, all these kinds of things. I was speaking to his life. And because I knew, listen, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, it, you know, in theory, okay, I don't want to have a lot of Muslim friends that I'm just hanging around shooting a breeze with. But if there's purpose in my relationship, then there's a purpose, and there was a purpose in this relationship. And one day, this kid ended up coming to know Jesus and getting get, get saved. Because right? there was purpose behind a relationship. All right? And that's what we see with Jesus. Jesus wasn't a friend of sinners because they hated the church or because he wanted to be different or, or any of those kinds of things. He was a friend of sinners because there was a purpose, because he knew. It's, it's this, um, we used to call it back in the day, it's called the spirit of chase. And what we used to, used to terminology when, uh, you know, when I was a youth pastor, and what we said is that, that I'll, I'll build a bridge from my heart to theirs, and one day Jesus will walk across. All right? So it's all I did, and, and that's really what Paul was, was, is talking about here. I'll become all things to all people. I'll build a bridge from my heart to theirs. Okay? I'm the one knowing that we're building the bridge. They don't have to know it, but I'm going to build a bridge from my heart to theirs, and one day Jesus will walk across that bridge. And it happens a lot, and Paul is talking about his ministry and his purposes in his life, okay, that everything he did in his life had purpose. Every relationship that he formed had a purpose. Every move that he made had a purpose. Every church that he planted had a purpose. Every, every place he went had a purpose. And maybe there were places that he didn't mean to go, but there was still a purpose behind him being. Maybe it was in prison where he wrote several of his letters to the churches that we now have today that encouraged us and, and strengthened us in our walk some 2,000 years later. 
okay? Maybe it's then, you know, Paul, being Paul and Silas in prison and hearing about the, the chains falling off and the people coming to know Jesus because of that event. There was always a purpose behind every step that he made, that it was, there was intentionality in his life. You know, there's, uh, what, some 15 years ago, maybe more, there was a book that came out that had to do with this subject. Anybody remember that book? You know, you got to remember that book. The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Um, literally, during its prime, it sold. Uh, it was the second best-selling book behind the Bible in the, in the world. Um, the, the Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, and he talks a lot about uh, living your life with purpose. Um, but he, there's a couple, you know, a couple things I want to just bring out here. It says, uh, you were made by God and for God, and until you understand that life will never make sense. You were made by God, and, you were, and it actually says this in Colossians, that all things were made by him and for him. Right? You were made by God, and you were made for God, until you come to grips with that reality, life will never really make sense. All the things that life has to offer, all the things that life has to give you, satisfy you the way that His presence will. He goes on, he says, if it's not God, like if it's not going to be God, you will surrender to the opinions or expectations of others, to money, to resentment, to fear, to your own pride, to lust, to your ego, You were designed to worship God, and if you fail to worship Him, you will create other things to give your life to. You are free to choose what you surrender to, but you are not free from the consequences of those choices. In other words, so God gives you the freedom to choose, and you're going to worship you're going to worship something in your life. It's either you're going to worship God or you're going to worship your material. You're going to worship money. You're going to worship your own ego, your own position, your own stature, your own. You're going to worship something in your life is going to get your attention. And it's up to you to choose. And you're free to choose whatever you want, but you're not free from the consequences of those choices. You see, because God has a purpose for you here on this life on this earth. He has a purpose. And that purpose is different than anyone else's purpose on life. Your pur- the purpose for your life is different from the purpose that God has for my life. The purpose of, of the person next to you okay, is different from the purpose you know, that is you know, across the aisle. God's purpose for your life is completely different. Now, if you're in a relationship with one another, God's purposes for your life will never conflict each other. So they're always united and make you, make you go a little stronger. It doesn't mean that the purposes have to be the same. It just means that they, they won't bring separation and division. All right? But God has a purpose for you. All right? And, and it's up to you to fulfill that purpose and to find that place, okay, in your life. All right? To, and, and what Paul says right here is that we should be living with purpose in every step. And I think that one of the things that I want to point out, this doesn't mean that your life has to be some kind of spiritual highlight reel in order for it to be significant for God. Um, It just doesn't. Um, I I don't think that's a reality. I think a lot of times when we read through the Bible, um, 
You know, it's like story after story after story of incredible things that God did. And then we look at our mundane, normal lives and think, God's not doing any of that in my life. Um, But if you break it down like person by person, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that eventful all the time, right? It w- just wasn't that eventful all the time. So, sure, we read about uh, things that, you know, Paul did in the book of Acts, but we're talking about over the, what, 10, 15, maybe 20 years of his life, all of these stories are written in the book of Acts, so there's journeys that he was taking. I mean, good grief. I mean, when he's traveling from one city to another, they're having to hoof it everywhere they go. You know, it's not like they got a plane and go get in a car, you know, or go get in a car. They're having to walk there. It's taken months for them to even get to the places that they're trying to go. They're t- trying to travel by sea, all these kinds of stuff. So um, you, you read about stories, you know, in the Old Testament, like, you know, like Gideon. Like Gideon had one incredible thing happen to him in his life. Is it? Or at least, let's see this. I mean, maybe he had a bunch of other incredible things happen to him in his life, but we only know of one, right? I mean, it was only one thing was written down. I'm sure he had a bunch of fun things. I mean, you know, um, you think about some of the other people. I mean, Moses, for example, um, there was 40 years between the moment that he left Egypt and he, he, he spent 40 years in, uh, in the desert as a shepherd before God sent him back to deliver a nation, the nation of Israel. So 40 years of his life, okay, that's basically my entire lifespan right now, right? I mean, 40 years of his life, he was just a normal shepherd. He just went about waking up every day and tending sheep. And then one God day, what? And then one God day, what the, what did I just, and, and then one day, God, you know, puts his finger on top of him and says, I'm going to use you to deliver a nation. Now, I think that it's important that we look at Moses' life and say, that Moses had to be in the right place in his life for God to say, I'm going to use you, right? I mean, we're not talking about somebody who is out worshiping idols. And God says, hey, I'm going to use you, sinner, to go. I mean, you know, at some point Moses was doing what he was supposed to do. He had left the land of the Egyptians. He had separated himself, okay, and began to worship the God of Israel, right? And he began in in obscurity. He worshiped God. He he was faithful to God. Even, Even David... You know, for the longest time, what, um, for, you know, David was anointed the king of Israel some 20-something 20 year, 20 years before he ever became an actual king, all right? Uh, that he had to spend running from somebody trying to kill. So, um, you know, living with purpose in every step doesn't mean that your life is going to be some kind of super spiritual highlight reel. Even Jesus' life, when you read, for example, when you read the New Testament scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're talking about 25 chapters that covers three years of Jesus' life, okay? So all of those things are happening at a spread-out rate. It's not like, oh, hey, every hour. Maybe those things were happening because we know that John says if all the things were written down that Jesus did, the books of the world cannot contain the books. So, you know, Jesus' life probably was a super spiritual highlight reel, right? But all the rest of us, it just doesn't work that way, right? Um. Living with purpose in every step means that every day we wake up, we do what it is that God has us to do for that particular day. What, I, I live with purpose today. I live with purpose today. 
that this moment, this day of my life has purpose in it. That God had planned me to live this day to do something. All right? and, and maybe that something doesn't look incredible when you read the Bible and, and think about the incredible things that, that some of those disciples did. But, but obedience to God's will and God's purposes to your life every day is incredible. It absolutely is incredible. Just doing what it is that God tells you to do every day, living with purpose in every step. Because I promise you this, that if you'll, if you'll live with purpose in every step, every day of your life, there will probably come a day okay, where God will reach down and say, tag your in, here comes the spiritual highlight reel. But you've got to be ready for it. But you've got to live with purpose in every step of your life, every day. You know, so, you know, just think, you know, think about, you know, being obedient, being faithful in obscurity, doing those things. You know, that there's going to be, that, listen, there is purpose in obscurity. There is purpose in the testing. There is purpose in the waiting. God may be testing your faith, okay? You may be going through a time of testing. There is purpose in the testing. You may be going through a time of waiting. There is purpose in the waiting. You may be going through a time of obscurity where, you know, nobody knows who you are. Like, I'm just, I'm a, you know, I don't know any, I can't do anything. I just got no gifts. I got no talents. I feel like I'm, all right. There is purpose in those moments of obscurity. A lot of times those purposes are designed, those things are designed to bring into our life to bring intimacy between us and the Father, okay? So, we get to a place where we, we know him, all right? You know, back in the day when I was leading teenagers, we used to always talk about this, that loneliness is God's cry for intimacy. When you feel lonely, it's God crying out for intimacy for you, with you. That, that if you feel like you're all alone, okay, understand you're not all alone. It's just a feeling that you have, and it's God beckoning and trying to call you in to, to a relationship with him. Loneliness is God's. So, these moments in our life where it doesn't look like a spiritual highlight reel, they have a purpose to them. And the vast majority of the time, the purpose for them is to make you stronger, to, to cultivate your faith, to cultivate your determination, and to pull you into a greater sense of intimacy with the Father. All right? Because intimacy is important. We have to be intimate with Him. We've got to be in relationship with Him in order for us to, him to be able to trust us with the depths of the knowledge of God and the things that he can do in and through our lives. Rob, if you'll come. And the way that we keep purpose in every step through those moments of our life when our, our life doesn't look like some super spiritual highlight reel is we do the little things that we know are the right things to do. Um, so we pray when we don't feel like praying. We meditate on God's word when we don't feel like meditating on God's word. We worship when we don't feel like worshiping. Okay? We, we, we involve ourselves in spiritual fellowship, fellowshipping with believers, 
coming to small groups, going to ladies' events, being a part of men's meetings, all these kinds of things. We, we put ourselves in position where we are around other people that are like us. These are the little decisions every day that help us live with purpose in every step, that we, we, we become a servant. Like, I'm going to be a servant. I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like I got any gifts, but I'm going to serve. I'm going to do something. I can do something for God's kingdom. Okay? It may not be big. It may not be large. It may not be some great thing, but I can do something. Right? We, we make those decisions every day of our life okay, that we know okay, are filled with purpose to enhance our relationship with God okay, and also to enhance our impact in the kingdom of God. So I live with purpose in every step. I do the things. I do the little things. The little, right? If you were an athlete, if you were an athlete training okay, to play football, you would wake up every day and you would work out. You would run to condition yourself. You would watch what you eat to make sure that you're not putting things in your body that would counter, be counterproductive to what you're... You would do these things every day. Every day. To be the best of the best. To run in such a way to win the prize. Not just to be... I mean, you can go play football without doing these things, but if you want to be the best of the best, okay, if you want to run in such a way to win the prize, okay, then you have purpose in every step, everything that you do. I, you know, everything, okay? Remember the story of Esther? <clears throat> this is kind of where, um, you know, it's kind of, again, these, these stories that kind of pop up in, about, I say random people, they're not really random because we know about them and they got books assigned to their name that are in, in holy manuscripts. Um, but, you know, Esther, you remember the story about her, right? She, um, she's a Jew. She finds favor with the king. And the king pulls her into the, his, his kind of inner circle. And she's going to become like his bride. And one of the king's advisors begins to manipulate the king, advising him that, hey, the, these Jewish people are bad. You need to do something about it. We need to... We need to get rid of the Jewish people because they're, they're meaning you harm and they're disrespecting you and they're not worshiping you. <clears throat> and the king being influenced by <clears throat> this other guy, you know, finally made a decree that, hey, well, we're just going to, um, we're going to eradicate the Jews. We're going to eliminate them. Right? And so here's the story of Esther. Well, all of a sudden, this girl who has been faithful to the Lord, has honored the Lord, has been, who's, I, I guess at some point along her life has said, I'm going to live with purpose in every step, that God has my life, He has control, that I am His. He is mine and I am His. She's in a position of influence now, right? In a time where God's people needed to be rescued, Right? And so in Esther chapter 4, verses 14, this is kind of where we, we pick up on a story. And, um, and uh, Mordecai is talking to Esther. He says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house um, will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty. Listen, who knows 
whether or not you have attained this royalty for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go and assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go to the king. And, and, and understand something, that if you, if you went to the king without being summoned, in other words, if, if you were to approach the king without the king saying, come to me, then literally the king could choose in that moment to kill you. He could just say, I didn't call you, kill him. And, and his royal, and I, know, <laughs> I know that that sounds weird because like that, that just boggles our mind that actually societies can live like this, right? But this is the way it was back in the day in that particular time. So Esther, the reason why she's saying fast for me for three days and we'll do some fasting too is because she knew, listen, she knew that her head was on a chopping block, that if he went to her, if, if, if she went to him with something that did not please him, he could have her killed right there on the spot. And that's why she comes, she is right here. She says, um, um, I and my maidens will also fast in the same way and thus I will go to the king which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. I think two, there's two passages here in this, this scripture that really define some things. Mordecai talking to, um, to Esther saying, listen, who knows if you were born, okay, who, who knows if you were brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? That this is the purpose. This is, all of a sudden, God is saying, tag, you're it. Here's, here's the highlight reel, right? Here, here it's about to happen. And then she had to be in a position in her life, right? Where it's, God, I'm yours. My life is yours. I do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll say whatever you want me to say. And she gets to this position, says, okay, now, guys, because it's a serious matter, we'll all go fast and pray. I'm going to fast and pray, and I'm going to have my maidens fast and pray. But at the end of the day, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the king. And if I die, I die. But I'm going to go. Um, you, you, don't, you don't randomly get to that place in your life. You understand that, right? You don't randomly get to the place in your life where you're like, I would give my life for Jesus. Okay? It, it, that doesn't just randomly happen. You know, it, it's, it's not far-fetched to imagine somebody running in the church doors with guns and lining everybody up on the front and saying, if you deny Jesus, we'll let you live, but if you don't, we're going to kill you right here on the spot. Then all of a sudden, you're faced with a decision. Well, if every day of your life you've made Jesus your choice, that moment right there where you're facing life or death, Jesus being the choice is not really a choice anymore because you've made that choice every day. But if every day of your life there hasn't been purpose and, and, and it's just a religious thing that you do to come and show up on a Sunday morning, then all of a sudden we start thinking about like, well, all the things that I'm going to miss here on this earth that I don't really want to miss and I don't really know if, I'm, if this is really worth it. And, and all of a sudden we become hesitant on what choice that we're going to make because in essence this is the choice that she had to make. 
I'm comfortable. I'm in a convenient place. I'm in royalty. I'm in the king's palace. I'm going to miss all of this stuff. And I could just sit back and enjoy all of my comfort and all of the food and all of the conveniences of life. Or I could take a stand for what I know that God brought me here in this moment to take a stand for. And I might lose my life. But doing what God has a purpose for me to do is far more important than me enjoying the comforts and conveniences of this world. If I perish, I perish. You see, it it becomes doing what God wants you to do in the highlight real moments of your life are easy, okay? Listen, are easy when you've done what you're supposed to do. You live with purpose in every step up to that particular point. Okay? You think about why, why, why was it easy for a teenage boy to go face Goliath on the battlefield? Why was it easy for him? Why did he, over all the other people, volunteer himself to go face a giant on the, as a 13-year-old boy? Why did he say, I'm going to face Goliath on the battle? I know that there are great mighty warriors in this army. Nobody's willing to step up, but I'm going to step up. Why was that so easy for him? Because at every moment in his life, He surrendered to God's will and he said, I killed the lion and I killed the bear because God led me and God guided me and I had purpose in every step and this is not going to be any different. This is not going to be any different. I'm going to walk out here with my little sling. I'm not going to have no armor. I'm not going to have a shield because I don't need that kind of stuff because God is going to deliver this man into my hands. When you live your life with purpose in every step, you'll be ready for the moments where God says, tag, you're it. I also find it interesting that in that story of Mordecai, when he was ta- telling Esther, he says, hey, if you choose not to make a stand, God's, God's going God's to bring deliverance anyways. Like, here's the confidence of this guy, right? He's like, hey, look, God's got our back. He's put you in a position to do something. But if you don't do something, God's going to do it, right? There's, there's two ways that you can look at it. <clears throat> Number one is, well, then I really don't have to do anything because God will do it eventually anyway. So why do I have to do it? Or you can look at it as like, hey, everybody's replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. God doesn't need me to lead this church. I mean, just, just be honest. If I'm not doing what God wants me to do, I'm replaceable. We're all replaceable. God will find somebody else to take our place if we don't do and step up to the things that God wants us to do. Okay? He will find somebody else to do it for. Now, in the end, what does God want to do? God wants to use you. He wants to put it on you. He wants to tag you and say, you're it. And he wants you to step up to the plate and say, I'll go. I'll do it. Call my name. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do because I'm living with purpose in every step of my life. Okay? That God would rather it be that way than to look over you because he wants you to live your life with purpose. That you, listen, you, that, that message in, 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 in Esther is not, just, okay, it's not just for Esther, it's for you. That you were brought to the kingdom of God for such this. That you are brought to God's kingdom right now, in this moment in time, 2019. You're brought to the kingdom of God 
for this moment in time. God has you here. He had destined you. He had planned you to be here right now to do something for his kingdom, to live with purpose in every step. And it's up to you whether or not you're going to live that way. All right? There's a story about two guys that were hammering away at a piece of granite. Someone walked up to one of the guys and said, "Um, what are you doing? And the guy said, well, I'm just trying to make a living, man. This is my job. I'm just trying to make some money to make a living for my family. A little bit later, another person walked up to the other guy who was there hammering on the granite. And they kind of had the same question. Hey, man, what are you doing? And the other person responded, the other worker there, he says, I'm making a difference. I'm a part of a team that's building a cathedral. I'm making a difference. You see, the difference between the two guys is that one had purpose and the other did not. The other one said, I'm just here, I'm clocking in, I'm clocking out, I'm just doing my thing. It's just what I have to do. And the other one saw his life in the place where God had placed him to do the things that he was doing, that there was a purpose and there was a reason why he was there. You see, Paul says it to us best that, look, if you're going to run, if you're going to run this race, Run in such a way to win the prize. And if you're going to run in such a way to win the prize, there needs to be purpose in every step. Listen, every step, every decision you make, every decision you make with your finances, every decision you make where you live, every decision you make where you work, every decision you make where you worship, okay? every decision that you make who you hang out with, every decision you make with your children, every decision that you make, that there should be purpose behind the things that you do, that there is purpose in every step of your life. There's purpose. You stand to your feet this morning.